Hey, everybody. <laughs> My name is Matt. It's good to see you guys. Um, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Mark. We're going to look at a few things in chapters 9 and 10. I want to actually look at a few different scenes from the life of Jesus, and we're going to talk about them. Can we pray for a minute? Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing us here to this, to this moment, this time we get to share together. Lord, I pray today, Jesus, that we would be so captured by this vision of who you are and this way of life that you model for us and invite us into that we couldn't help uh, but be drawn to that and want to be more like you. Lord, we know that we can't become like you with, without your help on our own, and so um, we just say, come Holy Spirit. We invite you in this place, in our lives, our hearts, our minds, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you know anything about Jesus, you know that he was constantly going around talking about and demonstrating this thing he called the kingdom of God. And you got the sense, the way that he talked about it, is that however it worked, it was like upside down. It was the opposite from the way so much of the world around us operates. And so because of that, you can imagine the disciples... They can't figure Jesus out. It doesn't make sense a lot of times. We see in Mark's gospel here, Jesus is doing these miracles, and the, the crowds are amazed, and the disciples are like, all right, this is going somewhere. This is good for us. But the problem is he's not doing certain other things that he should be doing, we think. He's not taking control. He's not like we thought, or he's not taking the path to power that we want him to. And so many times you have the disciples kind of, Scratching their heads. We, they can't figure them out. In Mark 9, the disciples, they're walking along with Jesus, and apparently Jesus is just up ahead of them a little ways. And at some point, they start arguing with each other because that's what people do, right? You never do that. Everybody. Uh, people who spend day in, day out. Remember when you were a kid, you had a sibling in road trips and how important that that invisible line was that divided the back seat. Yeah, we put people together long enough. <laughs> so these 12 men, they're starting to recognize that the ministry of Jesus, he's doing some unusual things. And they realize we've been chosen and some other people haven't. So maybe we're kind of important. And, and in fact, even within the 12 of us, there are three that Jesus spends more time with. And so maybe those three are even more significant than the rest of us. And so they're arguing about this, and, and what they're arguing about is, I wonder who's going to be, like, the most important. You know, when Jesus finally makes his big move, and this takes off, and we get the recognition because we, we got in on the ground floor, right? We were, it, when it was just 12 of us, we were in, and so someday, hopefully soon, this is going to pay off, and our reward is coming to us. And so... They go into this house, and Jesus asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the road? And they're like, uh, not, nothing, just different things, different stuff, you know, like fantasy football, trash talking. We're just, just not, not a big deal, right? And it, it gets kind of awkward. <laughs> and Mark adds this little detail, but they kept quiet because on the way, they had, in fact, argued about who was the greatest, don't you love how honest the Bible is? It's not trying to make these guys look especially good, is it? Well, 
Jesus doesn't name any names, but he addresses this head on in the next verse. It says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, listen, anyone who wants to be first, they're like, me, not me, I don't know why he's saying, must be the very last and the servant of all. And then he gives them a little demonstration. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And so he's trying to get them to see that it's not about greatness the way the world defines it. It's not about gaining influence or power. He deliberately chooses a child who in this culture socially is like the bottom of the ladder. And he says, start here. Honor children. It's not about making a name for yourself. He says, my kingdom is different. Whoever wants to be like most important or the greatest must become, he uses the phrase, the servant of all. Now, we have probably all, most of us heard this before, haven't we? So it's not a new idea. In, in some ways, you could say this is like elementary, it's like 101 level or whatever. But can you imagine hearing that for the first time? You're trying to start a movement. You're trying to like, the, the very thing you're trying to do is gain recognition I mean, it wouldn't make any sense. There wouldn't be a single thing you could point to in your world where that, like, is true from your experience. I mean, all the evidence points to the fact that if I don't take care of me first, if I don't constantly grab opportunities for status or to get ahead or to gain followers or whatever, I'm just going to be left behind. This isn't going to go anywhere. So you can feel that tension, right? And in fact, this is so unusual that he has to keep saying this over and over in, in different ways. You look at the very next chapter in Mark 10, and Jesus and the disciples are in a different town, different day, but a very similar thing happens, meaning they're just having a hard time getting this because, again, this is so new. So they're walking along the road to, to Jerusalem, and Jesus pulls the 12 aside and says, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man, he's talking about himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. That's a pretty heavy thing to, to drop on him, isn't it? Especially when he's talking about what's going to happen in the place they're on their way to. So he's trying to give them a heads up. Now, so this is what Jesus says. Guess what, the, guess what they respond with? This is amazing. The, the sensitivity and the timing of James and John in what they say right after this, it's like, watch this. Very next verse, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. In light of everything they've just heard, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Did, I'm sorry, did you not hear a word that I just said? Apparently not. Uh, they walk up, there's these two brothers, they notice well, he has this power, he has this authority, this is going somewhere, and, and, and so they're like, Jesus, we know you're special, unique, I mean, you keep doing this weird serving stuff, like, I don't get that, but I don't know what that's about, um, but we've been talking, and the two of us, we just want you to say yes to whatever we're going to ask you. Really? Do you guys... Those of you who have kids, do they ever do that? My kids try this once in a while, and I'm always 
almost offended that they think that that, like I'm almost insulted that they think that might actually work. But Jesus actually kind of, he kind of humors them. He says, all right, what do you want me to do for you? And they go, okay, thank you. Here is our request. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. In other words, we want to be great. We want to be in charge of stuff. So the moment you decide to make your big move, we just, we would like to submit our resumes. One of us on the right, one on the left, because we've been thinking there's two of us. You have two hands, so, right? And I know there's actually a, a third guy, Peter, you spend a lot of time with, but frankly, we don't think he's quite ready, you know, for this kind of responsibility. So between the two of us, James and John, we will be there for you. Oh, by the way, our mom helped us come up with this plan, okay, which is true. So just, there's so much dysfunction in this whole thing. Jesus responds, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Record for using baptisms in one sentence. Jesus says, you have no idea what you're asking because he knows what his kingdom is like. It's upside down. He knows where power comes from. He knows where he's headed. He's about to die on the cross. He says, can you do what I'm about to do? And, and they're thinking, I have no idea what they're thinking, but they say, yeah, we can. Definitely. We're in for all the power and all the glory. Sign us up, not knowing that the glory Jesus brings is through dying on a cross. And he kind of ends the conversation. Well, this gets out in the group. Word spreads like it does in any group. How do you feel if you're one of the 10 and you find out these two guys have been posturing like this behind your back, vying for power, status, recognition? What do you do? Well, you, get, you get blood red mad. That's what you do. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Of course. Jesus hears them arguing and it says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. Like, yeah, we know. Not so with you. You know the way the world works. You've been on the receiving end of this your whole lives. You're to be different. This is not what this is about. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For... Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, this kingdom that he's launching is upside down, meaning the way up is actually down. This comes up over and over in the New Testament. And the reason is, this is really hard to grasp. It, it, it's difficult uh, to live this way. Most of us, if you're like me, we kind of default to thinking of ourselves first. If I get my needs and desires met, like once that's all taken care of over here, then maybe I might get around to thinking about someone else. But like, when are my needs and desires ever fully, finally met? Not, never, right? Jesus doesn't just talk. He demonstrates this over and over. We have a Savior who chose to serve, who modeled the life of a servant, and then invites us to do the same. I want to show you one more in John chapter 13. 
um, Jesus does something totally, totally unthinkable. On his very last night of freedom, how are you spending your last night of freedom, right? It says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. Notice Jesus does not lack power and authority. He has it all. He's approaching his death. Last night of freedom. Instead of asserting his power, which he could have done, here's what he does instead. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. In this moment, in some ways this kind of final moment, when Jesus wants to make his most powerful declaration about who he is, what he's about, this is what I've been trying to teach you and show you and, you know, this whole time, he removes his outer clothing. As a rabbi, your cloak, your outer clothing was like a symbol of your authority. He symbolically removes his, his status, his power, and he begins to wash dirty feet. And not like your feet, which I'm sure are very nice, but like dirty dude, sandal. I, I always, when I read this, I always picture hobbit feet for whatever reason. Ew. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and Peter has this moment of horror. Lord, there's no way you're doing this for me, and you should read it because he's basically like, this is happening, Jesus says, because I need you to understand what all of this is about. Jesus, the most powerful person in the room, removes his symbol of power, wraps a towel around his waist, and washes the disciples' feet. And then he ends this whole, you know, poignant moment with these final few just really beautiful sentences. He says, do you understand? Like, now do you understand what I've done for you? And the disciples are like, I'm, I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to try to answer that anymore. And then Jesus breaks the silence, and he answers. He says, look, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, and we didn't know before, now that you know this is how my kingdom works, this is who I am and what I want you to be about in the world, now that you know, you will be blessed if you do them. Here's Jesus' secret. It's actually not the person whose feet you're washing. It's not the organization you're serving. It's not the cause that you're helping out. Those things, those people actually aren't the ones who get the blessing. Who, according to Jesus, is blessed? I know, it's really easy. You, me, the one who serves. Um, he says, when we serve, when we put others, ahead, others' needs ahead of our own, we're the ones in the end who are blessed. Which means not only in serving do we become more like Jesus because that's who he is. Not only do we mature and grow in our faith, we're actually the ones who get something in return. How many of you know that this is something that's very hard to explain? that actually has to be experienced. I hope you know. I hope you've experienced that. It's upside down, and it's only in the doing do you go, oh, I think Jesus might be onto something. 
So here's one of my questions for you this morning. What would that look like? What would all this look like for you in your world, in your homes, uh, where you work? This is about a way of life. It's about a posture, a way of positioning ourselves really wherever we are, whoever we're engaging with. I mean, what if tomorrow you were to go to work and you were to try to go in with like a slightly different lens if you're not already doing this? Like what if instead of going there saying, well, I'll tell you what, if I were in charge, you guys ever say that? Mm, if I were running this place, boy, oh boy, yeah. What if instead of that, and that doesn't actually help, right? You were to say, what would it look like just to serve, quietly serve my coworkers? or my boss, just to help make this place better, the best organization or company it can be. Because that's what a servant does. Listen, those of you, let's do another example. Those of you with roommates, you guys are going to, I know I'm not a prophet, but you're going to think that I'm a prophet after I say this next thing, okay? I'm telling you, sometime in the next couple of days, dishes that are not your own are going to pile up in the sink. How did he know? How did, I don't know how he knows this stuff. I, I'm just saying, maybe instead of keeping score, what if for you it's just quietly doing the dishes? That's what a servant does. It's about a different way of living. It's not just doing stuff. It's like it's trying to get to the core of who we are. If we're like Jesus, that then overflows into every environment, relationship, whatever we're in. Now, having said all this, that's... This is for everyone of you here, everywhere. It's our life. There's also in the New Testament a very special emphasis placed on how that manifests, how that shows up at a place like this, in a local church. We're doing this series right now, we're in it, called Built Together, um, focusing on this vision that Jesus had for, for this gathering, not just this, but the church. Anybody gathered in his name about the things Jesus is about. That we're to put on display a kingdom that's, that's different. And part of that is not just what we do, it's how we do it. It's who we are at the level of our character, that the character of Jesus would run so deep in us, it would just radically define, radically define our relationships, our interactions uh, with one another. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, and he has a lot of examples like this, but he gives this whole long discussion on how each person in a local church, he doesn't even use the word church, he calls it a body, the body of Christ. How each member, each part has a role to play in terms of their, their time, their talents, their investment, their gifts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, now you are the body of Christ. That, that means that this, like you guys, us, we are the best representation on this earth of what Jesus is like. Isn't that amazing? You're, you're part of the body of Christ. You have a role to play. No one role is more important than the other. What that means is the church, the body of Christ, should be the very last place on earth that we're only thinking about us or that we approach with a what's-in-it-for-me consumer mindset. When people look at us and what we're like, when they see the body of Christ in action, the whole idea is that they would go, 
oh, that must be what Jesus is like because I'm looking at the body. I'm experiencing that. Do you know when you're, do you know when you're a part of a church, actually? It's actually not just when you're attending a service. I think, like, God's not actually taking attendance. What? <laughs> what? Uh, no gold stars, you know. I actually don't think that's what it's about at all. You know you're a part of a church when you are meaningfully connected to, to his body, to the body of Christ. Anyone can go to church, but it's a group of people who are serving one another, using what they've been given, their time, their energy, because that's who we are. And I just want to say, I really believe that if, you, if we were all take this seriously, if we were all to jump in and play our part, not only would we all come to discover maybe our life gets a little bigger, we have more meaning, more purpose, not only that, Jesus promises, and I believe we experience this, you are blessed in the process. And so I just want to say this morning, many of you understand this. You're currently serving the body. You're playing your part. Um, and I just want to say thank you. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. We have lots of you who understand that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life. Many of you understand the paradox of the kingdom. When I make life all about me, 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 my life actually shrinks. It gets smaller. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. It's we, we, we all the way home. <laughs> when I give my life away, when I give some of my, when I die to myself, that's what Jesus would say. It brings life to others. And my life gets bigger in the process. And so, again, many of you have said, you're, you get it. I'm busy. Look, I've got a job. I've got a family. I'm in this stage of life. I have aging parents to care for. You know, I'm busy, but I'm in. And if you can use me, then use me because I want to be a part of something bigger. And so, for those of you who serve consistently, thank you. For those of you here who maybe have been thinking about taking this step today, Oh boy, oh boy, what a great opportunity uh, to do that right now. Um, I, I do want to say if you're brand new here this morning and you're, you're like checking out churches, I'm actually not talking to you. You can relax. Um, we would, honestly, we would love to have you as part of this church family. But whatever you decide, can I just encourage you that wherever you end up, that you would engage and jump in and commit not just for their sake or for our sake, but for your sake. Some of you um, have been here for several months, maybe even a year or longer. And so for those of us who've kind of been coming here and receiving for a while, but haven't taken that step yet to give back, I just want to prayerfully, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider taking that step um, in a few key areas we need we need volunteers. We need people to step up and serve. Do you know what this number represents? Can you see that okay? <laughs> 228. This is how many individuals we actually need to serve one time a month. 
across all of our different volunteer ministry teams. 228. I want to break that number down here in just a minute. But when you came in this morning, you should have found a ministry teams at Commonway, this little paper thing. When I saw this, I was like, are you trying to get me to do a Scantron test? <laughs> yes. Pull this out. You should find it on your seat next to you. Grab one of these. Um, here are the areas where we need a whole bunch of you in this next season to step up and to get involved and to join a team. So I want to walk through this. I don't want to insult you. I know that you can read. I'm going to so I'm not going to read it to you. I want to keep it as interesting as I can. I'm telling you, over the next few minutes, we're going we're gonna to laugh together. We're going to cry together. We're going to sign up to join ministry teams if we're not already doing that. Yes? Yeah. All right. Let me just highlight a couple of things first as you open this up. There's the area of Common Way Youth. And we need some folks to step up and to serve on our youth group team. That would be folks to help Sunday night run run well and to be there, and so that Tyler's like really outnumbered a lot of times, and so uh, small group leaders on Sunday, events team, this is periodic, like the Foursquare tournament tonight, we need help with that. Um, I want to say here that you don't need to be like particularly young or like cool or up on whatever kids or students are into, it doesn't, we need you to be you and to show up and to love students and to model an authentic faith. Those of you with teenagers, you know what I'm about to say, or you know this. There will come a point in your lives as parents when suddenly your teenage kids don't want to listen to a single thing you have to say. And even worse, you will find that someone else, a youth pastor or mentor or leader or coach or someone else in their life will say the very same thing. And, and you know what they'll say? That's the most amazing, brilliant thing I've ever heard. I can't believe nobody's ever told me this my whole life, right? What that means is we have less and less influence, often as parents, as our kids are kind of, uh, it's a healthy thing to differentiate themselves and become their own person. Perhaps you could be someone in the life of a student. I was reading this week that research shows that, that kids and teenagers who have five adult figures, like healthy adults modeling, like, Jesus to them, modeling real faith. If you have five, not your parents, five or more other adults in your life, you are statistically far likelier to follow Jesus as an adult. Uh, and so we need that. As a parent of teenagers, I'm like, this one, please, right? This is, this is so, it, I thought that in the last few months going through this difficult stuff of like, I am so thankful that my kids have other adults in their lives. And so we're just trying to bring a little structure to it and, and provide that for, for others because not everybody's kids are the pastor's kids who know everybody, right? Maybe God's calling you to serve in the area of youth. I'm challenging you to be open to that. Next area, Commonway Kids, and there's a whole list. I won't read it, but I just want to say, <laughs> I was typing this in. <laughs> I was typing this in, baby snuggler, and I was like, boy, if I accidentally type an M... And they're keyboard neighbors, right? Boy, that means something totally different. I was so scared. Um, <laughs> this is our single biggest volunteer need. We need total, we need 96 people serving on a monthly basis to do what we do at Commonway Kids. This is not babysitting. 
This is actually ministry on two different levels. First to parents, actually, and then, of course, to our, to our kids. But we need some people who understand that when, when parents or new parents or new families walk through this door, the number one concern they have is related to their kids. And, like, will they be safe? And, yeah, I hope they get a snack and have fun and maybe learn about Jesus, but will they be taken care of? Um, you realize we can't invite, our mission is to invite people to find hope in Jesus. We can't do that unless parents are like, can relax and be present, um, knowing their kids are being well taken care of. So that's one part of it, but our aim is actually much higher than that. Um, we need some men and women who understand the opportunity we have to teach our kids about Jesus in a way that they can understand. We are all about reaching people who didn't grow up in the church or this is new for them as adults and, you know, who have stories of getting all torn up by the world along the way. And God can and does do amazing things. But we also recognize that our kids can avoid a whole bunch of pain and heartache and things that we've learned the hard way, bruises that we've gotten along the way. If they could just learn from a, not all pain, I'm just saying, if they could learn from a a young age, what it means to follow Jesus and to put him first. And so you have that opportunity with your love and your example and your encouragement to influence children in this way, to, to play a part in planting some truths in these hearts that are actually going to direct them as they grow and navigate adolescence and into adulthood. You could help instill in them a foundation that lasts and carries them the rest of their lives. Now that I'm saying it like this, I'm starting to think that perhaps the greatest work that we are, in fact, doing as a church is happening not in this room, but downstairs, kind of out of sight, out of mind for most of us. So we're not babysitting. In fact, maybe what we're doing is, maybe right now, maybe this is adult care (laughs) for the real work that's happening right beneath us. Never thought of it that way. Um, Jill, our amazing children's pastor, I just want you to know, is going to train you. We don't just give you a book and throw you in a room with, here's some diapers, good luck. Okay? In fact, when you sign up, the very first thing Jill and Christy are going to do is invite you to observe on a Sunday. Just check it out and see if this might actually be a good fit. But there's a system. It's organized. If you're a teacher, you have an assistant, a helper. Um, if you love kids, you probably have what it takes. We also have opportunities for our youth, if you're sixth grade and up, to serve in this area. My kids have been helpers uh, for the last couple of years, and they love it. They love, I honestly think they would rather be doing that than hearing more from, right, which you can understand if you're them. Uh, In fact, during my leave this summer, um, there was a couple times on Saturdays where the kids were like, Dad, we have to go to church tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, pretty sure we don't right, because I was on a leaf, and they said, no, dad, we have to go. We're, we're serving tomorrow in Commonway Kids. It's hard to be annoyed by that, isn't it? My kids want to wake up early on Sunday morning. I, okay, of course, and it's amazing. One last word here for those of you who didn't hear anything I just said after I said Commonway Kids, because you thought already raised kids, a lot of you, Already done that, survived, it's over, whatever, I'm done. 
Let the parents of little kids do this. And by the way, we have parents in this stage who are uh, on a regular basis. But you do realize the parents and the families who need this the most, parents of young kids, perhaps uh, single parents, because of the season of life they're in, by definition, it's very difficult. Get up early. Get the kids here. Serve. What are you doing with the kids while you're doing that? And then staying an hour between, and then another hour. I mean, that's, it's very hard for, for that to happen. So it's, it's, it's all of us. It's what being a part of a church family is about. You'll see the page there, adult service teams. This would include uh, greeters and ushers, um, lobby hosts. You can read the description. But we are looking for friendly people. Um, if you're not sure if that's you, ask somebody. Uh, but who understand, who understand how scary it is to come to a new place like this for the first, first time. We forget. We're used to it. We know where to go. We know, we know how it works. Um, and so we need people who get that every Sunday morning, you know, someone is bringing their skeptical brother-in-law to church, and they've been saying for three weeks, they've been saying for three months, you got to try it, you got to try it, you got to try it, and finally that person, right, that, that they're inviting, finally that person says, okay, I'll try it, right? And then the person who invited them is going, oh, no, oh, no, they're actually going to show up, and I hope it's good, and I hope... I hope they like it. I hope Matt doesn't do, I hope he doesn't have one of his weird Sundays or, you know, whatever, whatever. We need people in this area to welcome. Um, this isn't about you. If this was just about you and me, we wouldn't do, we wouldn't do half this stuff because we're good. We're fine. This is about people we're trying to invite to find hope in Jesus along with us. Do you know what having, I know I'm spending a lot of time on this because this is huge, do you know what having greeters and ushers and people in the lobby, do you know what that actually communicates to people? You may have never thought of this. When someone walks in and we have that and it's organized and they're welcome, you know what it communicates is we were expecting guests. <laughs> like, they thought, you know, like they're prepared for this. That's actually a good sign. If you're, you don't want to feel like you're the first guest that's ever entered the doors in 100 years, right? And then I feel... You understand. We need uh, folks on the, the coffee team. It's a way we practice hospitality. That was in the Romans 12 from last week. Uh, we're looking for tech team members, people to help in the sound booth, run the slides, put the words up. Now, there's no guarantee at, at all that Cliff, our worship leader, is going to sing the words that are... <laughs> I love Cliff. I joked about I He's my buddy, so we can have fun. But anyway, but they're up there. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, communion, people to help set up, that's an act of service to prepare that so that we can meaningfully connect with Jesus and one another as we celebrate monthly communion, uh, folks to serve it. And then beyond Sunday mornings, you can see on the last page, women's ministry events. This is all about welcoming. It's all about saying, we were expecting you. We want you to be here. Hospitality, it's meals team. If you've ever gone through a, a, a season, an illness, or you, yeah, a new baby in your family or whatever, and someone brings you a meal, it's like, whew, it speaks a ton. I had that happen several times in the last few months. People just showing up with food. It's like, you know what it makes me feel? Like loved. Because we all feel love and we think love, but love actually, you can't see those things. And so when someone brings you food, it's like, oh, you're showing up. It's, it's demonstrating what we say we believe. 
I want you to pull out, if you would, let me see if I can find it, in the seat box, seat, that's so hard to say, seat back, the seat pocket thing in front of you. Would you pull this white card out, please? My question for you as we end is very simply, what role can you play? We're asking you to fill this out. If you're ready to commit to serving in an area once a month, your information, and then under teams, just write. Uh, you have the titles of the areas, and, and, and we'll, we'll contact you. I do want to say here just a couple of little things. For those of you going, uh, my problem is none of these things are really my areas of, like, passion. It's, like, not really my gift. Okay. Two things. One, some of you, your areas of passion are so obscure. You, you guys are into, like, butterfly therapy. So, no... At this time, we do not currently have an opportunity to utilize that gift. Thank you for asking, though. Uh, secondly, think about your, like, what if, think about your, your uh, being at home, okay? Guess what gift I don't have? The gift for doing the dishes. Not my gift, not really my thing. Laundry, not my passion. I mean, think about this at, on, on like a functional, a family level. If I were to say to my kids, sorry, I'm not cooking tonight because it's just not my area of gifting. What I'm saying is this. None of you have the gift. I hate to break it to you. None of you have the gift of putting coffee on a cart, bringing it up the elevator, and setting it up. That's nobody's gift. But for the sake of everyone, someone has to say, I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to serve. I know you're busy. We're all busy. But this is about an opportunity to play your part in making the church a place Jesus can accomplish what he's calling us to accomplish. Of course, you all realize, I realize, every time we show up here, did you know that you are served by very busy people? Every time. And I know you, and, and by the way, you don't even know these people who are serving you. But I know you, and I know that you're very grateful. And I'm so grateful that there are people who are willing to do that. All I'm asking you to do is to be a part of what they've been a part of. And in the end, of course, we are the ones who are blessed. So pick an area or two. Um, if you are already a volunteer, you don't need to fill this out unless you're adding another thing, that you, you're trying something else or adding, and we'll work with your schedules to make sure. I know there's overlap sometimes. Um, if you're here this morning and you're, you're saying to yourself or to, you're saying to me in your head, but I can't hear you, so you're saying, um, Matt, what's the biggest need? Like, I, I'll do anything. I want to just play my part. So, like, if, I, if you could have me do anything, what would that be? First of all, if that's you, bless you for saying that to me right now. I would say to you, we, of course, we need people in all these areas, but would you please, please, please give special attention to Commonway kids and to youth? And those are probably not coincidentally the areas where we have the biggest needs and also the biggest commitment. I realize that there are some, like your circumstances might prevent you from uh, volunteering regularly. Like sometimes we have people who say, hey, listen, I can't be on the schedule, but if you're ever in a bind, you ever last minute pinch, call me on Saturday and, and I'll let you know whether or not I can help. 
If that's really you, we, we do actually understand. But can you imagine if ever, like, a bunch of people did that? That kind of keep your options open, sort of play it as, that is awesome for how you spend a Saturday. That's the best Saturday ever. It makes things difficult, though, right, on Sunday morning. We're going to have ushers at the door. You can fill these out, and then they have the baskets. You can drop them in. I'm supposed to mention thank you for providing an active email address. We, that's our primary way of contacting you, and you would be surprised. Uh, please write clearly. I say that because so many times there's like seven of us around the desk in the office trying to decipher your handwriting, and none of us have a degree in forensics, and so it's, it's just hard. So help us out. Uh, we will contact you with next steps, and we'll train you in that area, and we promise to be good stewards of your time. If you don't feel like you can fill this out right now or you need to talk it over, take it home. Please bring it back. Um, we're going to have a couple staff members at the table in the lobby. If you have any questions about an area, drop these in the usher things. And please leave these books unless you need it to, like, study. Uh, we'll leave them on your seats, and we'll use them uh, down the road. I know, and I'm going to pray right now, but some of you are going, I cannot believe he spent all that time talking about that. I did. I did do that. And you know why? It's so important to who we are, to inviting people to find hope in Jesus. We need all of us doing our part. We're just asking you to help set us up as we, we've got this big vision to move forward into this next season. It's going to take every single person here. Would you stand with me? Uh, thank you for listening to that. Thank you for serving. We're going to pray, and then we're done. Um, Jesus, uh, we thank you for modeling for all of us what it looks like to live a life of, servant, of service. Lord, when you were the most important person in the room, you voluntarily took on the role, the position of a servant. That's inspiring. Lord, help us to do the same. Lord, for those of us here who are like, oh, no, not this again. Oh, brother, I don't have time. What are they going to ask me to do next? God, I just pray that your peace right now would settle, settle over us, our hearts, that you would give us the courage to be available. Lord, my prayer in the coming weeks and months is that, um, is that for dozens of us, Dozens and dozens that maybe what starts out as an obligation for some would very quickly become actually a passion, a source of joy as we get to play a part of something bigger than ourselves, as we experience you using us and working through us to do what only you can do. We just ask that you would grow us in this area, and we need each other for that to happen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks, everyone. Have a great day, great week, and uh, we'll see you next time.